Nice to see you. To see you. Nice. Turn to somebody near to you and say, you're looking really hot today. Now try and convince them that you really meant that. (laughs) If you'd been near that nurse in that corridor that time, you'd have heard what she said. Three days before, I'd got nicked in town. It was a Friday, so no bail till Monday. I always got nicked on a Friday. I was an addict. So you can imagine by the time I got bail, I wasn't feeling well. Ow, my back's aching. Ouch, my legs are killing me. Man, I need to get some drugs sharpish to get straight. I had 25 quids on my name. I'd put this in my Ben Sherman shirt pocket that was underneath my jumper. Back then, this would get you a weighed quarter of a gram of heroin. So I walked into Hume and I went round to Ratty's, one of the dealers, to score. If you spotted Ratty in Tesco, you couldn't stop yourself from looking twice. At least twice. He had a cross tattooed between his eyes and he looked like Gandalf with a shell suit on. (laughs) Ratty, it's Barry! He opened the door. Come in, Baz. Mate, have you got any gear? How much do you want? A quarter. I have, but I've not got that much. I've only got about an eighth. I'm waiting for some coming. You can have that if you want, though. It's really strong. Okay, then. I'll have that. I'll come back for the rest later. So I got the gear off him, went into his bedroom and took it, and then everything went black. Then when I opened my eyes, everything was all blur, and I was dead dizzy. Then as I came round, I realised that I was late on my back on a bed and I was being rushed down the hospital corridor. The lights on the ceiling were bolting past me. Then that nurse's face appeared, looking down at me. She had blue eyes and red lipstick on. She looked dead worried. Barry, you came in here hours ago. You were DOA. The paramedics found you in a phone box, dead. Do you know what I did when that bed stopped? I signed myself out. Then I went by Rats Ratties to get the rest of my gear. How crazy is that? But this is where I'd found myself, right in the middle of this struggle. What's been your struggle? It might look like that. But I know for most of you it doesn't. Because you've been down another pathway. But we've all found ourselves in the middle of a struggle somewhere along the line, no, haven't we? So what can we learn from that place? Let's pay a visit and take a look. For starters, the middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. Do you like to watch films? Yeah. I know I do. Especially on Saturdays when we were locked down. Good old Netflix, eh? Even if you don't, I'm sure you've seen at least one James Bond film. Come on, confession time. There's always a scene where James Bond meets Q to get his gadgets, isn't there? Then later in the film, you get to see him use them, usually in the best bits. This is what storytellers of all kinds, not just filmmakers, call foreshadowing. 
Something's put in there for a moment, then it's brought back later on. It's done with objects, characters, lines of dialogue. And this is like how it can be with us because sometimes the experience we gain from the struggles we go through can end up being used for good later on on our journeys. So the middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. Kevin Scottish is proper chirpy with a scar on his left cheek. I can't really tell you what town he's from just in case you're from Falkirk. (laughs) Kev was into drugs and gambling until God got busy. He came up to me once after I finished speaking at Victor Outreach in Manchester. He works there. He was carrying a checkbook. Remember them? (laughs) If you'd been at the back near that table with my books on, you'd have heard us. Barry, we want to make a donation out to the work that you're doing. Who do we make a check out to? Nice one, Kev. Make it out to proclaim trust. Anyway, why are you doing that? Are you the treasurer here? Well, kind of. I'm the accountant. (laughs) Kev, have you always been good with numbers, mate? No, not really. I learnt about them in the bookies. (laughs) See, the middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. Paul killed Christians. He ended up teaching them. Speaking from his own experience, he said, for we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those that know him. Think about your struggle and everything that that's taken you through. Listen, that struggle for you could be your greatest asset because God can take the experience you gain from it and he can use it later on on your journey. See, the middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. In that corridor that time, the worried looking nurse was looking down at me, Barry, you were DOA, the paramedics found you in a phone box dead. The middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. And apart from that, the middle of a struggle doesn't have to be a permanent location. If you're in the room, raise your hand if you remember cassette tapes. For those of you who have not raised your hand, a cassette tape is what we stored music on before Spotify. (laughs) Do you know, not long ago, I found some house music and techno ones. Ones that I'd recorded in my flat in Hume when I had my little studio set up. If you'd have put round for a visit, you'd have seen the mixer, the drum machine and that synth. And you'd have seen that Roland TB303. That's what makes the acid sound in acid house and acid techno music. Some of you know that squidgy, wacka wow, wacka wow, wow, wow sound. It was a decent setup, And I sit there for weeks. Squiddling knobs, mesmerised. I look like a mad music professor in a trance, speeding off my head. So you can see why I was proper chuffed when I found these tapes. No way, look what I found. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a tape to MP3 converter and have a listen. One of them is called up-tempo. You can't really call it a mixtape because it's just one long track. Man, you should hear it. Bombing it along. Some of you know that electronic dance tracks have structures with intros, 
build-ups, breaks and outros. Well, this one doesn't have any structure. It's just one long continuous drum machine beat with random manic breaks kicking off, lasting ages, synced up to that synthesizer and that Roland TB303. 45 minutes long. The whole side of a cassette tape, non-stop. Sounds like an iPrative robot playing around with an Uber and a dentist drill. Thing is, when I recorded this, I must have thought it sounded really good. Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept the tape. Can you imagine what the hundreds of others I recorded sounded like? The ones that I didn't keep. This is where I was at. But I'm not in the same place now though because God got busy. See, the middle of a struggle doesn't have to be a permanent location. David, in the Bible, he often found himself in the middle of some sort of struggle. But he knew how to get through them. He said that God is my shelter and strength and always ready to help in times of trouble. Are you in the middle of something? Are you in that place right now? Listen, you don't need to stay there because God is ready to help. He can get busy in your situation, but you need to give him consent. Listen, the middle of a struggle doesn't have to be a permanent location. In that corridor that time, the worried looking nurse was looking down at me. Barry, you were DOA. The paramedics found you in a phone box dead. The middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. The middle of a struggle doesn't have to be a permanent location. And the middle of a struggle is a place where the unexpected can happen. If you met Jamie, you'd probably recognise him from Crime Watch's Most Wanted. <laughs> He's the kind of guy that would never hit a man with glasses, but he would hit him with a baseball bat. Have you got the picture? I first met him when he was doing a four-year prison sentence. One time I was speaking at a community event and he was there, so I sat at the same table as him. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you, Baz. When did you get out? I got about three months ago. I got me parole, didn't I? Nice one. How have you been doing anyway? I've been doing really good, thanks, Baz. Feel like I've finally sought to sort my life out. Brilliant. How did that come about? It was in that chapel that time, do you know, when I met you? You didn't know it, but at the start, I was only there thinking I was buying some drugs from one of the lads on another wing. I wasn't there to listen to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> But I think the big man upstairs has something else in store. Because then you said something that resonated with me. And it was that that set me off on this path, Baz. It was mental. It just came right out of the blue. See, the middle of a struggle is a place where the unexpected can happen. Isaiah from Bible times tells us that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And neither are God ways our ways. See, God sometimes actions the unexpected. And he often does it when we're in the middle of a struggle. Then he gets busy. What about you? Yeah. You're watching online, what about you? Yeah. What was you thinking at the start of this? Have I said something that's resonated with you? Listen, it could be that God's got something lined up for you. That's out of the blue. Same as Jamie, who knows? See, the middle of a struggle is a place where the unexpected can happen. 
In that corridor that time, the worried looking nurse was looking down at me. Barry, you were dear away. The paramedics found you in a phone box, dead. The middle of a struggle can be the foreshadow to your trade. The middle of a struggle doesn't have to be a permanent location. The middle of a struggle is a place where the unexpected can happen. And to top those off, the middle of a struggle is a place where you can start to rewrite your headlines. You should have seen Lisa's face when I told her what had happened. Lisa had long blonde hair and blue eyes and she had a nose pierced. That before body piercing got popular. We were together for a decade. A mad one at that. The last flat that me and Lisa had before we broke up was on a council estate called Darnell. Anybody know Darnell? In Haywood? Our offices are just a few minutes away. So I still drive through the estate. Once I was driving up the bottom road and there was someone on the path on the other side walking up. Do you know from behind? That looks like Lisa's walk. That is Lisa. So I pulled the car up to the curb, dead slow behind her, and wound my window down. Lisa, is that you, Barry? Yeah, love. Well, blankety blank, blankety blank, blank, blank. Blankety blank, blank, blankety blank, blank, blank. Blankety blank. Fancy seeing you. How long has it been now, Baz? Must be going on 15 years. Yeah, something like that, Lise. I knew you'd come back though, Barry. Do you want to come round to mine for a brew? Yeah, go on then, get in, she gets in. Just drive up here. I live down that cul-de-sac now. Do you know at the end near the bus stop? You should have seen her when we got to a street. She was on a mission. It's great living down here, Barry. You get your cannabis from the house there. You get your amphetamines from this house over here. You get your heroin from them flats just down there. She was like a drugstore guide. <laughs> on crack. Because she thought I'd come back. Ergath was on the first floor in this little block. If you'd been there, you'd have seen her show me round. Here's the kitchen, Barry, that the council's just done up for me. Look at them brand new kitchen worktops. Here's the bathroom, Baz. Look at that purple toilet seat I've just bought. Here's the bedroom, Barry. I said, here's the bedroom, Barry. Here's the living room. Sit down, Baz. We got chatting about old times. She starts to make a spliff. A cigarette with cannabis in. Do you remember when I used to come and visit you in prison? Do you remember when I started to hear those voices? Do you remember when we lived in that squat opposite the Russell Club in Newman that had a tree trunk in the living room? Big tree trunk. And do you remember when you did that snatch that time? Allegedly. <laughs> that Christmas when we were skint. And you came back with that leather knife safe bag and you got the knives out of the kitchen drawer and you were trying to open it and you kept breaking the knives. And then when you opened it, we saw all that money. What a Christmas that was. Then she lit the spliff like a bunch of skunks just started a spray fight. We carried on with our trip down memory lane. Then she goes, yeah, Baz, 
No, you're all right, love. I don't smoke anymore. What do you mean you don't smoke? No, I don't even smoke six. I stopped when I become a Christian. <laughs> what, you a blankety blank, 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 blank? Christian. How did that happen? Well, it wasn't long after we split. I met a guy and invited me to church, so I went. And I got prayed for. And it was like a switch was flicked. A light came on. Then the voices went. I came off the drugs. I went to Bible college. I set up a charity. I got married to a beautiful woman called Tina. Hey. I wrote a book that's now a bestseller. Over under a thousand copies sold. In the Christian world, that's, that's good. It's just been one thing after another, least. But it all started that day. That look on her face when I told her was priceless. Who'd have thought you doing that? You're in such a bad place. Good on you. But are you sure you don't want some of this? Yeah. Buzz. See, the middle of a struggle is a place where you can start to rewrite your headlines. Do you need to start to rewrite yours? Do you want to? Listen, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, God, God who flung the stars into space, God who created the universe, God became a man. His name is Jesus. Jesus is God with skin on. And he came to this earth and he was tempted just like you, but he resisted. And at the age of 33, he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He found himself in the middle of a struggle. He was in that place for you though, because he died on that cross to pay the price for your faults, for your flaws and for your failures. He died on that cross so that he can wipe your slate clean and to give you the option to start re writing your headlines that guy again in the bible David he said this as well God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the door of my heart to him you see when you give God consent to come in he starts to rewrite your headlines he picks up his pen Listen, the middle of a struggle is a place where you can start to rewrite your headlines, but you need to give, give God consent to come in. That's when he gets busy. A mate of mine got his car broken into. Whoever did it used the device to relay the signal from his car key fob to another device that was used to open his door. It's a method that's been given the term relay theft. Have you heard of it? Interesting. Car thieves have come a long way since my day. I just used a brick. <laughs> Do you know, God will never try to get through your door using a device. 
In fact, he tells us his method in his instruction book, the Bible. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me and open it, I will come in. You see, God's not a relay thief. Because he stands at your door and he waits for you to give him consent to come in. And when you give him consent to come in, he gets his pen out, he gets busy and he starts to rewrite your headlines. See, the middle of a struggle is a place where you can start to rewrite your headlines. In that corridor that time, the worried looking nurse was looking down at me. Barry, you would do your way. The paramedics found you in a phone box, dead. I didn't tell you how I ended up in that phone box, did I? Let's wrap this up now, back at Ratty's flat, to find out. That night, I'd sign myself out. And I got by rat to, gone by Rat to Ratty's to get the rest of my gear. Ratty, it's Barry. You should have seen how mad he was when he opened the door. He was so angry that cross between his eyes was spread across his face. What do you want? I've come to get the rest of my gear, Ratty. You cheeky blankety blank, blank, blank. Blankety blank. What do you mean? Well, when you came round here before, you didn't even have any money. I did, right? It was here in my shirt pocket, underneath my jumper. I pulled it out. Oh, side note. Remember at the start, I said I had 25 quid on my name. I put this in my Ben Sherman shirt pocket, underneath my jumper. Now, later on, I'm pulling it out. Foreshadowing. And actually, this reminds me that the place where I was at then was the foreshadow to my trade, like Kev's was. That wasn't in there before. It was, right? I'd put it in there earlier. No, it wasn't, because me and Junkie Jerry from upstairs, we searched you before we carried you down to the phone box and left you there dead it was right he still didn't believe me so I kept the 25 quid and I went somewhere else to score the middle of a struggle this was me in mine and I know it's a place where we've all been if you're in the room please stand if you're watching online keep watching Listen up, listen up, listen up. Right now, God is stood outside your life, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room. He's standing and waiting for you to open the door. He's waiting for you to give him consent to come in. He's waiting to start rewriting your headlines, but he needs your consent. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite two groups of people to pray this prayer, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room. The first group of people are those people you've never prayed a prayer before. You have never given God consent to come in. It could be that you've been 
watching online for the last couple of years. It could be that you've started to attend in recent months as we've started to open. It could be that you've been coming here to please your partner. Thank you, that's great. It could be that you've been invited here this morning. It could be that you've just jumped online this morning. Listen, God stood outside your doors. He wants to come in, but he needs your consent. So the first group of those people, you've never prayed a prayer before. Today, you're going to pray this prayer. You're going to give God consent to come in. And the second group of people are those people watching online and those people in the room. You've prayed a prayer at some point in the past. You've got going on your Christian journey, but for whatever reason right now, you're not cutting it. Listen, the Bible's clear. There's no condemnation, you know. But I want to, what I want to say to the second group, if that's you, pray this prayer and get back on track. Get back in the groove. You know what God will do? He'll forgive and forget because that's what it's about. And then as you leave this place, you can just crack on. Or if you're watching online, you can leave the room. You're in the space you're in. You can leave that room and know that God has forgiven you and you just crack on with the rest of your journey. So they're the two groups of people. And if you're in the room, you make up the third group. You're going to encourage those who are going to pray for the first time and for the second time, those in the room and those who are watching online. Are we ready? All three groups. Repeat after me, phrase by phrase. Dear God, I come to you today and I admit that I'm not perfect. God, I ask that you forgive me for all my faults, for all my flaws, for all my failures. God, I ask that you wipe my slate clean. And God, I ask that you get busy in my situation. And God, I ask that you get your pen out and you start to rewrite my headlines.